Hello and welcome to Theotivity. My name is Thaddeus and I'm glad that you've joined us for this episode. In today's episode, it's going to be an audio narration of the article Strong Medicine for a Fatal Disease, Social Justice, Critical Race Theory, and the Gospel. This article was originally written as a review of Dr. Vodi Bauckham's book, Fault Lines. I hope that you'll find this content edifying and informative on this very important topic that is uh, quite the hot button issue these days of racism and how do we think about justice in society. Let's jump on in. The Theotivity Podcast. Theotivity is the place where theology and creativity come together. Here you'll find audio narration of articles, episodes exploring the faith, culture, the arts and media, systematic theology, apologetics, guest interviews with Christian thinkers, creatives, pastors, theologians, and much more. At Theotivity.com, you'll find articles and resources to help you grow in your faith, as well as a portfolio of creative works. Like, share, and subscribe to stay up to date on the latest content. Social justice and racism are terms which have reverberated throughout our societies in an especially amplified way this past year. The various riots of 2020 and the meteoric rise of the Black Lives Matter movement has prominently placed these terms indelibly in the minds of many in our culture. Many well-meaning people, organizations, church leaders, Christians, and many more posted black squares on social media in solidarity, led by a desire to act compassionately and listen and learn. It's a good thing that our first response is one of compassion and caring towards our fellow image bearers. I too spent a considerable amount of time reading and learning more about these movements and ideologies, looking at statistics about racism in North America, as well as some of the genuine concerns surrounding racism by ethnic minorities. However, within our popular culture, many fail to understand some of the dangers beneath some of the terms and movements concerning racism today. However, you may ask, but how can a movement that is based on ending racism be dangerous? Isn't the quest for social justice a good and noble thing? Well, it would be if it were that simple. However, in this particular struggle, the definition of terms matters. What is meant by these terms can often be something quite different to what is understood. Strong Medicine Dr. Vodi Bauckham's new book, Fault Lines, The Social Justice Movement and Evangelicalism's Looming Cat Catastrophe, is not for the faint of heart. It's a strong medicine for what he recognizes to be a fatal disease. J. Gresham Machen once said, Men tell us that our preaching should be positive and not negative, that we can preach the truth without attacking error. But if we follow that advice, we shall have to close our Bible and desert its teachings. The New Testament is a polemic book, almost from beginning to end. Fault Lines is an open and direct critique of one of the most important ideological battles of our day both in the church and in the culture around us. Dr. Bauckham pushes the point that these fractures within the church over this ideology will lead to division if they continue in their current direction. He uses the metaphor of a fault line, to which the book owes its title, to describe what he sees awaiting the evangelical church on the brink of a disaster that would split it into two sides along this divide. What is this fault line, you may ask? Well, it's critical social justice. See? SG. And I think he's right. Other authors have made a distinction of terms using social justice A and social justice B, such as in Thaddeus Williams' book Confronting Injustice Without Compromising Truth, which is also a really good book 
on this topic and perhaps I'll do a, a book review for that later. However, Dr. Bauckham in his book, he distinguishes his terms by referring to biblical justice and critical social justice. This is really important because both sides of the argument are throwing around the word justice and we need to know what's being referenced. And this is where some of the confusion comes in because sometimes on one side, one person has a certain idea of justice in their mind and then the other person has a different one. So we end up talking past each other. So a clear definition of terms is really important. And Vodi's distinction between biblical justice and critical social justice is a really important and clarifying one. That's not nice. At the time of writing this review, Fault Lines was on pre-order. I had the opportunity to review the book in advance as part of the launch team. Already, there's quite a buzz around it. Twitter had put a warning on posts referencing the book and at least one Christian store had con contemplated pulling the book totally off their shelves. Since then, there's also been a couple of other repercussions. It wouldn't be too surprising actually if the cancel culture mobs try their best to get rid of it as well. For a while, it was actually doing really well on Amazon. And I think uh, after of the popularity and con controversy around it, uh, it was pulled down a little bit. I'm not too sure if it's still on Amazon. If it is, check it out there. But if not, you can find it on other book uh, sellers. The issue, though, is a really sensitive one, this of racism in our culture, especially in North America. And many are intolerant of views that go against the accepted orthodoxy. Many charges against this book will undoubtedly come from the tone police, saying that Vodi's not being nice, he's not engaging graciously. You know, and this is despite him putting many disclaimers and nuances in the book. When addressing a topic like this, it can be tough to be gracious and nuanced, yet not let your argument die the death of a thousand qualifications. Some will say he's bringing division, despite his repeated calls for unity around the truth. Others will accuse that he's uh, Uncle Tom and a sellout. Why does he hate his own black people? Despite his obvious concern and care for the well-being of his fellow black brothers. Others may ask, what right does he have to say these things? He doesn't know what he's talking about. Despite him actually being one of the most qualified voices to speak on this issue, having addressed them for some 20 years now. These accusations will come. And there will be many uh, who, regardless of whatever apologetic or defenses raised will not give this book even a sympathetic reading nor even open its pages. However, I hope that there will be some who will move past this rhetoric to engage honestly with the content of this book because it's an important one and some may say the definitive contribution on this hot button issue. Sometimes we need the faithful wounds of a friend, Proverbs 27.6. Strong medicine often doesn't go down easy. So keep listening and I hope that this review will pique your interest to at least give fault lines a fair reading. Laying the groundwork. Vodi said on social media that in fault lines, I strive to identify CRTI fairly and accurately, relying on CRTI sources. Then I show how the terminology, methodology, and ideology of CRTI is being mimicked by many within evangelicalism, openly championed by some and unintentionally by others. I believe that he has achieved this goal. The book's introduction starts off by defining terms and giving a brief history of the, of the development of ideas which led to today's critical social justice movement. There's been a lot of confusion over these terms, leading many to speak past each other. With clear definitions, the book lays a good groundwork for fruitful discussion. Also, 
jumping into the history of how these ideologies developed is super helpful in understanding how the shape that is taken today. Revealing Marxist Foundations Next, Vody shows how CSJ has its roots in Karl Marx's conflict theory, which viewed society as a group of different social classes, all competing for a limited pool of resources. Society was seen as basically divided into two classes in conflict, the oppressed and the oppressors. Everything was seen in terms of power differentials. This framework was later used by the Frankfurt School in the development of what was called critical theory, the main goal of which is to address structural issues causing inequality. The influence of this thinking is also why many issues these days seem to become politicized. The influence of Marxist ideas on our current political and social conversations cannot be understated today. James Lindsay and Helen Plockrose note in their book Cynical Theories that critical theory is, quote, more interested in problematizing, that is, finding ways in which the system is imperfect and makes noise about them, reasonably or not, than it is in any other identifiable activity, especially building something constructive. This in itself would be problematic enough. However, to add to this is the fact that critical theory also denies objective truth, and you get a recipe for a revolution based on subjective reasoning. Critical theory is not just another neutral postmodern idea or an analytical tool as some have claimed. It's actually based on anti-Christian Marxist foundations which are opposed to a biblical worldview. This is why this Trojan horse is so dangerous as it infiltrates the modern church. Dr. Bauckham takes great pains as is shown through his thorough usage of primary sources and many citations in his footnotes to reveal the true nature of this hostile worldview. The thorough attentive reader would do well to scour his footnotes actually. Racism in Reverse When critical theory is applied to the issues of racism and critical race theory, CRT, this framework radicalizes and divides a society, leaving only destruction and, ironically, racism in the reverse direction. CRT actually redefines what racism itself means. You see, no longer is the term racism in reference to the sin of partiality or evil things people think, do, or feel towards persons of a different ethnicity. Instead, it's defined in terms of systems which perpetrate inequity between different groups. This is where the term systemic racism, a popular catchphrase these days, originates. This is also where a lot of confusion takes place, as CRT advocates use racism in a different sense than what is classically understood by the word. The UCLA Luskin School of Public Affairs admits this when it states plainly that, quote, CRT recognizes that racism is ingrained in the fabric and system of the American society. The individual racist need not exist. To note that institutional racism is pervasive in the dominant culture. Did you catch that? According to CRT, you can have racism without racists. It views racism as normative and that whites, quote, are incapable of righteous actions. It thus ends up committing racism in the reverse direction. A case of multiple comorbidities, CRT and intersectionality. Added to CRT is the related concept of intersectionality, often paired as CRTI. 
Intersectionality analyzes the layers of oppression based on what oppressed groups to which a person belongs. Its goal is to try to use this analysis to achieve equal outcomes and distribution of resources. It's not primarily concerned, however, with actual instances of oppression, but rather with group identity. So, for example, a person who is white, male, and heterosexual is seen as having more privilege than a person who is female, lesbian, and black because of his belonging to these identity groups. However, it wouldn't necessarily matter if this man lived in abject poverty in a trailer park and that the lesbian woman was ten a tenured PhD professor in an Ivy League school. Just by mere identification with those identity groups, they would be seen through the lens of intersectionality as having more or less status and considered privileged or oppressed. CRTI's vision of seeking justice in these cases would be to take away privilege from the one and give advantage in the form of coerced reparations and or affirmative action to the other on the basis of their racial group identity. This practice, in essence, is partiality based on skin color, otherwise known as racism, and it's a devious bait and switch. Such a radically different understanding of the issue of racism by CRTI can mislead many people who are unaware of what exactly they are supporting. Speaking as a fool? Why is it that Dr. Barkham can speak on these issues? Interspersed throughout the book are personal stories from Vodi's own life that give depth to his insights on the topics and experience to speak on them. This is not a man speaking of hypotheticals of which he has no experience. He has lived through it. However, I suspect that Dr. Bauckham would have been hesitant to quote-unquote boast in his credentials. I think that he employs something akin to what Paul does in 2 Corinthians 11 verses 16 to 29, speaking foolishly that he might gain attention from a hostile audience to listen to his argument. Vodi recounts his own upbringing and family history tracing his family's lineage back to slavery on both sides and his own story of growing up fatherless raised in poverty by a single-parent Buddhist mom in south-central LA. He tells stories of being racially bullied in school and feeling like he didn't belong. Dr. Bauckham also recounts his story of conversion and experience in black Christianity. He grew up a very Afrocentric Christian with childhood heroes of Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, and Elijah Muhammad on his t-shirts. He admits that, quote, at that point in my life, I was most certainly more black than Christian, page 26. He pursued Christianity solely within the confines of black community and society. Later, he was convicted when he realized that, quote, I had spent my short Christian life pursuing segregation, page 33. His experience visiting and eventually moving to Africa also awakened him to a whole new perspective on racial issues and the reality of the history of slavery in and from Africa. Naming Names Dr. Bauckham doesn't wince from naming names and giving examples, from Colin Kaepernick, an NFL quarterback, LeBron James, an NBA player, to Ibram X. Kendi, author of How to Be an Anti-Racist, De Robin D'Angelo, author of White Fragility, and many other famous names within the CRTI movement. Vodi also points out how mainstream media perpetuates these narratives, example from Vox, New York Times, CNN, and even Al Jazeera, showing how ubiquitous this worldview has become. Vodi also shows the, how the ground is shifting in the evangelical world also, 
influential figures, pastors, authors, seminaries, and even denominations are taking sides on this issue. Even some reformed authors, such as Jamar Tisby, have written books and works which promote the attempt to Christianize CRTI ideologies. He cites several influential evangelical leaders, such as David Platt, Matt Chandler, Eric Mason, Tim Keller, Mark Dever, and more, who have become sympathetic to the ideas of CRTI. However, this is not just for the purpose of creating division, as he expresses his desire that these people would come to see the dangers of embracing CRTI. Dr. Bauckham is concerned that some key leaders are calling acceptance of CRTI ideology a gospel issue, which is a very dangerous precedence. Friendly, faithful wounds. Bauckham notes on page 133, one of the negative results of this is no longer being able to deal with ideas without attacking the people who hold them. Disagreements quickly deteriorate into arguments and worse. Consequently, taking a position on an issue carries the automatic assumption that one is utterly opposed not only to the opposing view, but to all who hold it. Therefore, we, we don't debate ideas at all, but go straight for personal attacks and character assassination. And this debate is no different." End quote. However, Dr. Bauckham is charitable in how he engages with fellow Christian brothers and sisters with whom he disagrees. He continues on page 137, quote, While I'm aware that there are extremes at play that threaten to obscure the gospel, and convinced that much of what we are seeing today in disag is disagreement between well-meaning brothers and sisters who are arguing around the margins but holding fast to the center, to the gospel." End quote. Dr. Bauckham makes that clear. Quote, I harbor no animosity against anyone named in these pages, and if you happen to agree with, with my perspective on these issues, I hope that you don't either. Page 230. However, despite his numerous statements of charitable disagreement with fellow brothers, I fear that many still take this book as a personal attack. I only hope that we can be as charitable in our responses. False Narratives and Biblical Standards of Justice A major concern is that many people who joined in on the chance for social justice for various figures who are said to be examples of racial injustice don't know the full facts of these cases. Bauckham notes that today people are rioting and demanding justice before knowing the facts, and ignoring the biblical standards of justice, such as requiring the evidence of two or three independent lines of witnesses to establish a charge. See, for example, Deuteronomy 19.15, Matthew 18.16, 2 Corinthians 3.1, 1 Timothy 5.19, Hebrews 10.28, or judging impartially, Leviticus 19.15. We would do well to remember that the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him, Proverbs 18, 17. Which is why if one gives an answer before he hears, it is to his folly and shame, Proverbs 18, 13. We should all be a little slower to speak, quicker to hear, and slow to get angry. For worldly anger, driven by CSJ, does not produce the righteousness of God, James 1, 19, adapted for this case. Systemic Police Brutality Dr. Bauckham shows that many of the popular CRTI narratives prevalent in today's media regarding racial injustice simply do not hold up to scrutiny. For example, Harvard economist Roland G. Fryer Jr. notes in a study that, quote, on the most extreme use of force in fatal officer-involved shootings, we find no racial difference in either the raw data 
or when contextual factors are taken into account. End quote. In fact, when the raw data in the US is analyzed, it turns out that white people are actually shot at disproportionately higher rates when the number of police interactions are tallied up. In a study by Fryer entitled, quote, An Empirical Analysis of Racial Differences in Police Use of Force, end quote, it was found that, quote, the only statistically significant differences by race demonstrate that black officers are more likely to shoot unarmed whites relative to, to white officers, end quote. This is certainly not what is the current narrative being told in popular media. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. The outrage culture over perceived racial injustice is further fueled by the visual nature of our news media that tends to make its money off sensationalization. Images rather than printed text as, as news sources tend to encourage people to think with their feelings rather than logic. Just recently, there have been cries of quote-unquote Asian hate over shootings in the U.S. before any adequate time to objectively assess the facts of the case have been given. We must be aware of the weakness and temptations of these new forms of media that lead us to jump to conclusions. Reacting in haste can end up actually hurting the cause of those wanting to seek true racial justice. If you call everything racist, it may end up sounding like crying wolf. Thus, instead of hasty reactions, we must honestly wrestle with the truth of the data and consider what are the best solutions. Dr. Bauckham looks at several popular stories cited as incidents of racial injustice, such as Breonna Taylor, Michael Brown, and George Floyd, and shows how the mainstream media's narrative was either heavily skewed or, in some cases, completely false when the facts are investigated. He demonstrates how these cases, though tragic, are improper for basing a narrative of systemic police brutality against blacks. He rightly points out that, simply put, we must be careful when we hear and or draw conclusions. We must reject simplistic univariate analyses as a basis for sweeping accusations of bias. Page 52. Discrimination, Disparities, and Democrats Vody also takes a look at the explanations for racial disparities and whether they are the result of systemic racism. Citing from prominent black voices before the rise of CRTI, he shows compellingly that actually fatherlessness, crime, education, and attitudes to abortion have a lot more effect on the racial disparities than is often given credit. Vody doesn't just cite from conservative sources either. He shows how left-leaning African-American voices such as Morehouse College and even President Obama's Father's Day speech show that this was common knowledge and exhorted from those who have since shifted their views due to CRTI's rise. Dr. Bauckham demonstrates how leftist political agendas such as LBGTQ issues, climate change, abortion, and CRTI are all interrelated because they share the same worldview. He corrects some of the popular myths of America being founded on racism. Bauckham also exposes the roots of the Black Lives Matter movement as an organization with Marxist, pagan, and even occult practices that wage war against Christianity. Ever noticed that BLM symbol closely resembles the communist fist? Many Christians have been duped by BLM and we must lovingly seek to correct and speak truth to them 
to warn of his dangers. Many well-intentioned, Jesus-loving, Bible-believing, compassionate believers are being sucked in by an ideology which actually leads to more hatred. You know, they say that the most dangerous false teaching is not just wholesale lies, but the ones that are almost half true. Another gospel. Ultimately, critical race theory is another religion altogether. Vodi unpacks the deeply religious nature of CRTI. He notes, quote, This new body of divinity comes complete with its own cosmology, CT, CRTI, original sin, racism, law, anti-racism, gospel, racial reconciliation, martyrs, saints, Trayvon, Mike, George, Brianna, etc., priests, oppressed minorities, means of atonement, reparations, new birth, wokeness, liturgy, lament, canon, CSJ social science, theologians, D'Angelo, Kindy, Brown, Crenshaw, Macintosh, etc., and catechism, say their names, end quote. However, in terms of its soteriology, that is, its way to salvation, there is none. CRTI only offers perpetual penance, reparations and repentance, with no hopes of absolution, reconciliation, and forgiveness. One's white privilege is the unforgivable sin, and denial of white privilege only shows one's white fragility and complicity in the system of oppression. Thus, this makes the charge of white privilege and racism unfalsifiable. This strategy is the intellectual fallacy called a Kafka trap, which is, quote, a sophistical rhetorical device in which any denial by an accused person serves as evidence of guilt. One can never be rid of this original sin and must acknowledge, perpetually repent, and do the work of anti-racism and activism. It's all law, no grace. This is another gospel, and thus no gospel at all. Galatians 1, 6-9 A New Priesthood and Canon Furthermore, persons of color or POCs are considered to have special access to knowledge by virtue of their experience as an oppressed minority group. This is what he terms as ethnic Gnosticism. It's a form of standpoint epistemology. In this way, POCs who are sympathetic to CRTI become a new priesthood with access to unquestionable special knowledge. CRTI also has a new canon, a list of authoritative and infallible writings, which challenges the sufficiency of scripture and becomes the new lens through which we must misread the Bible. Ever notice how CRTI advocates will assert that to understand and provide solutions to racism, you need to read, fill in the blank with a CRTI theologian, as if what God's word teaches is not enough? He notes that, quote, people are not coming right out and saying that the Bible is not enough. Instead, high-profile pastors get up and speak about the ways in which the modern sociology texts have done for them what the revelation of Scripture has been unable to do, page 125. Of course, though, this ethnic Gnosticism or standpoint epistemology, where you elevate the voices of certain minority groups to be infallible, doesn't really apply for people who are part of ethnic minority groups who don't agree with CRTI's uh, core principles and precepts. In fact, if you are a visible minority or POC that speaks out against this, you can almost be guaranteed to be cancelled and called an Uncle Tom. Other Christian apologists and theologians, such as Dr. Neil Shenvey, 
Dr. Thaddeus J. Williams and Dr. Owen Strand and Monique Dusson have similarly sought to show how CRTI's incompatibility with biblical Christianity is so dangerous, and I'd highly encourage that you check out their resources as well. The true gospel is the cure. If ideologies like anti-racism, critical race theory, and intersectionality are allowed to continue to spread like cancer in evangelicalism, it will poison it from within and obscure the true gospel. The patient is indeed critically ill, but CRTI is not the cure. It's the disease. However, this is a diagnosis many will dislike. Bauckham admits, quote, This book was hard to write. I knew that no matter how careful I was, how ironic, differential, or gracious, the very content of this book would be deemed offensive, unkind, and insensitive. Some will go as far as calling it violence. Page 230. In this book, Dr. Bauckham shows that the real way to fight racism has already been brought by the blood of Jesus Christ, which brings both true justice and forgiveness. This, not reparations, and the works righteousness of anti-racism and woke ideologies is what's needed. If racism is a sin, and it is, then the only cure is the gospel. We must see that in Jesus Christ, he has broken down the dividing wall that separated us along ethnic lines. See Ephesians 2. And he's created one new man in Christ Jesus. This is the true basis for real racial reconciliation and unity, yet also preserving the diversity and beauty of that diversity within our humanity. Forgiveness is actually the most powerful weapon in the Christian's arsenal against the sin of racism. We must speak boldly and directly about these truths. We must equip our people and others to see the lies of CRTI and to see the, the liberating truth of the gospel and God's word and how it equips us to actually deal with the sin of racism and not create more racism in reverse. May we find the true rest and real reconciliation that is blood-bought by Jesus Christ. Fault Lines released on April 6, 2021, and has been on the top sellers for a while. And I pray that many will read this book and be challenged to think deeply, biblically, and compassionately about how we pursue true justice. I highly recommend this book, especially if you've read already some of the other side. This will be a good complement to bring some challenging ideas and counterpoints. Read for yourself and make up your own mind. I think it'll be well worth your time to consider. If we're to act with compassion and love to those who have legitimately been the objects of true oppression and racism, then we must also be committed to act in accordance with truth and not just with sentimentality. Let us not be swept away by every wind of doctrine. Let us be good Bereans Christians. This book will be a good resource to help facilitate fruitful discussions as we continue the conversation with each other on this important topic. I think it's right to say and assume the best of each other and be gracious, though none of us wants to see hatred and division. We all want to seek unity. Let's do that together. Thanks for listening to the Theotivity Podcast. If you found this content helpful or edifying, please leave a review on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, follow us on social media and consider sharing this episode to help Theotivity reach others as well. Check out Theotivity.com for resources, info on how to support, and subscribe to our monthly newsletter to stay up to date on all the latest content. 
Until next time, live and create to the glory of God.